Hello and welcome to Pals Pulls. This is a huge week in comics. Another one. I feel like 2024 has started off so hot for comics and I'm very excited to have my pals with me to talk about six Adam six of this week's biggest releases. We have Kale. What's up, hot dogs? Marco. 9 to 5. Tyler, I'm here so I won't get fined. And of course, I'm Sean, and these are the books we've got on tap today. Ultimate Spider-Man number one. Ooh, nice variant. The black yeah. variant. You like that? It's the black suit symbiote Spider-Man, but guess what? It's not the only one I got. Oh, oh I believe you. <laughs> also got the family ah. postcard Christmas card Ooh, the Parker's yeah. edition. So you yes. got the black one and you got the white one. Yes. Got it. Yes, I did. <laughs> Did you get a Christmas card from Bean this year? Or <laughs> that was no, it. he doesn't give a shit about me. Got that Only extra comments. dough? No. Uh, Rise of the Powers of X, number Ooh. one. Come on with this variant. That's good. Come on. That's a good cover. This is yeah, the uh, the Rasputin variant, and my oh my. I couldn't Hello. pass it up. Ra rah, rah, as it were. Oh, I'm glad I'm not the only one who has that song stuck in their head whenever they read her name. Yeah. Constantly. We decided to add Wolverine to the list. It got smashed in the poll, but we're going to read it anyway because it's our show and we do what we want. Um, Titans Beast World number four. Well, we sort of do what we want. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Action Comics 1061. Let's go. And Transformers number four. So as you can see, we have some great comics on tap. And uh, before we get into the review of Ultimate Spider-Man, I want to ask you guys, how did you start your stack this week? Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, same. Yeah, okay. same. Yeah, I needed to get it out of the way to avoid spoilers because I was on Twitter. So, dude, I didn't. Oh, I see. I see, was too I... on Twitter because I was I was really into the these uh these uh Chabad Hasidic tunnels in New York City. So I was yeah. all reading all about that. Um, but then occasionally I would get. Uh, do you guys not know about this? Never mind. We'll talk about it later. I don't live there. <laughs> I I live here all my life. I started with uh, Titans because I just like to get like the, mm. not the bad, but like, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's the, like eating your vegetables first. Right. Yeah. So I saved Ultimate Spider-Man for last somehow, some way. But we're not saving it for last on this show. We are starting with Ultimate Spider-Man number one, probably the most anticipated release of the year that we know about so far. Jonathan Hickman wrote it. Mar- Marco Chiquetto drew it. Colors by Matthew Wilson, letters by Corey Pettit. So a lot of people were down on this book when it was announced. There was not that much hype. Hickman doesn't fit Spider-Man. Chiquetto doesn't fit Spider-Man. What is this going to be? This is weird. We don't want it. That was a lot of the reaction. Can I tell you what this was? Go ahead. It's pick of the week, baby. Mine too. Mm. Come Mm. on, Kale. I haven't decided what my pick of the week is yet. Bro, you're in the book, Kale. You can't make this. It's your book. I wish. God. That Chichetto hair, man. You could do it. I fought fought my whole life for hair that good. (laughs) Uh, This is my pick of the week, too. So Yes. Wow. Maybe by the end of this conversation, Kale will make it universal. That's that's the thing. I I didn't even... If you're on our Discord and you're in the Marvel comic spoiler... 
that thread is just spoiler tag. It's just black. You might as well not even be looking at uh, a screen. It's just a, it's just black all the way down. And I was like, I need to discuss this first. Which guys, it's the spoiler channel. You could just talk. No, oh, no, no. You're no, doing no. the right thing. Don't, yeah, you guys are doing it right. Um, <laughs> so this is a reimagining of Spider-Man in a way that really I don't think we've ever seen before. So check it out. It's Peter Parker as a dad without powers. No powers. And Aunt May's not here. He has children that don't have powers. I I can't think of a single solitary time I've ever seen that. A Peter Parker dad with no with children that don't have powers. I think used to great effect. It it helps to build immediate sympathy for him. Um, one because we're we're so used to seeing Aunt May be in the picture and like her not being there. It's like an immediate like punch in the gut. Like okay, she's gone. He's been affected, obviously. Uh, and the way it ties into you know the 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 event that happens in, in the the little blur prior, um, I thought it was just in, really effective writing. Yeah, um, it's 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 like every scene to start with has something in it that would be a surprise if all you did was open this comic book, right? Like if you didn't go on social media, if you didn't look at anything. Mm. Everything here is a surprise to you. You turn the page and, you know, the first thing you see is an adult Peter Parker, right? Which is immediately shocking. The ultimate Spider-Man name gives you the thought of a young kid, young Mm Spider-Man. That's what it always was. And the first page shows you something different. Then you see the kids. Then you get to the bugle. Good scene. So, so for me, like, I don't have that much baggage for Ultimate Spider-Man because I never really read it outside of, like, Miles showing up. And, like, right before that is when I started. I think there was, like, like a relaunch that I started around. Um, so I wasn't that shocked to see adult Peter. Um, well, of course not. You know what it is. But I'm saying, like, if you open the page and you didn't know, like, you didn't know what this was going to be. I guess, yeah. That being said. The content of it is very good. <laughs> this doesn't even feel like Peter Parker. And I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. It's just that this kind of Peter is not something we've ever gotten before. I know, like, the hype about this was, oh, this is going to be like Peter B. Parker from the Spider-Verse movies, essentially. But it's not even that. Like, my dude is depressed. <laughs> There's missing something. There's something missing from this dude's life. Um... So it's still classic down on his luck, Peter Parker, but it's definitely a new spin I've never seen about it, and it hooked me pretty instantaneously. Uh, it's emotional. It's and I think Hickman's writing was one of the things you mentioned at the top. Sean was going to be you know questionable. Man, he handled it perfectly. I think I think he delivered a heartfelt, uh, a heartfelt character, someone with with depth, one that uh, you immediately sympathize with. And I, I thought I got immediately immersed into the world. Like there was no aspect of this book that pulled me away for a second. I was in it from page one to the last page. So I want to say before we delve deeper, 
that this is, you know, this is a spoiler show. So if you don't want to hear what I'm about to say, then you should probably skip ahead if you're listening later on or if you're live, take your headphones off for a few um, because there's just some stuff here we can't we can't review the book without saying. So Marco's right. This is a very emotional comic book. And, you know, as we said earlier, lots of surprises. And when you get to the Daily Bugle, you really get smacked in the face with a big shock that Hickman delivers expertly. And he uses our knowledge of Spider-Man to deliver on this big surprise. And it's it's typical stuff. It's Peter walking into the bugle. You know, Jameson is yelling his name, you know, Parker, you know, and we know what that means. And he sees Peter and he says, oh, hey, Peter. And you're like, well, wait a moment. And then he yells Parker again. And you turn the page and he's yelling at Ben Parker. So good. So good. Uncle Ben is alive. And it happens relatively early on in the book. It's the yeah. second scene. So, yeah. So like yeah. A, a big shock like that early on th- kind of threw me off in terms of the way books are nowadays. Yeah. 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 I thought that was a really good, clever twist. And it was something that they managed to keep from us. Like it didn't spoil. We saw Aunt May had died. <clears throat> and I think we all, at least here, mutually assumed that means both of his aunt and uncle are gone. Yep. But that wasn't the case. And it was it was nice to be surprised by something you see in a comic book anymore. Yeah. Uh, the and then the I feel like the the scenes where uh uh, where you see J. Jonah Jameson is like he's he's almost paternal and that's such a flip yeah. on his character as well and and that took me out for a second it didn't take me out sorry but it it, it just kind of uh inverted my expectation because I'm like oh you know he's gonna it's gonna be the same guy right but no he's grown alongside him this is this is a different person um and uh again that was also used to really good effect we we know what uh uh Jameson's like but that's not him He's he's a he's caring and that almost felt uncanny, but mm. it plays into the story, for sure. And back to the ben, Uncle Ben stuff, but also um, as an extension to what uh, Marco is saying, is Ben is active here, mm. like he's making moves, he's doing stuff, he's good for something that's not dying, right. And the other thing about that is most of the time when we have seen Uncle Ben, it's obviously in Peter's past since he's dead. But whenever he's used as like a ghost or an alternate version, it's always the same, essentially the same Uncle Ben that we saw when Peter, you know, when when he died. This is an Uncle Ben who never died. So he's an actual character. And yep. we're getting to see what he's really like. We've never really seen his relationship with Peter as an adult. And I'm actually fascinated by it. This is like my uncle is like my dad in life. So this is a relationship dynamic I've never really seen in comic comic books before. And it adds something to Peter, I think. Yeah, the closest we've gotten to Peter having a paternal figure is Norman, who's also not in this. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So this kind of changes things a lot and, and then we also get the the knowledge that peter was adopted by may and ben when he was 15 
So he's already a teenager at this point. When I feel like most stories, he was adopted pretty early on as a kid. Yeah. Like he grew up. So there is a bit uh, that I felt in this where like Ben didn't know what to do when he first got Peter and they've learned since then, you know, and, and Peter doesn't call him dad or uncle Ben. He calls him Ben directly. Mm. Um, so there is, uh, it is interesting to see that there. Cause that leads me to believe that there's more of a, of a respect thing, uh, and almost maybe more of a mentorship kind of relationship. But honestly, the thing that surprised me most about this book was how straightforward it was. Like, a Hickman number one? We've read Gods. We've read his X-Men stuff. You know, I've read Manhattan Projects. Like, this is much more grounded than his most recent work. Like, the real heady stuff happened in Ultimate Universe, and this feels like, oh, this is just going to be a straightforward Spider-Man story. Yeah, how he gets his powers is a little, little weird, but... Um, the actual meat of the story is pretty straightforward. And I, I was really refreshing from a Hickman book. Yeah, I think Hickman proved once again, although I'm not really sure why he has to keep proving this, but he proved once again that, you know, he can do anything he wants to do. You know, um, people asso- associate him purely with big sci-fi you know, massive stories, but, you know, he's a great storyteller, and he showed that here. His world-building talent is all over this comic book. There are there just aren't future people in it, you know? Um, it's everywhere. Just the inclusion of, like, Daredevil, right, as the father, the you know, father, um, <laughs> father, uh, Murdoch. Yeah, 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 father Murdoch, like, just that, or what's going on with Harry, you know, and Oh wow, Harry doesn't Harry's reaction to this is kind of weird. What's up with that? You know, there's so many layers here that we know are going to be played with. And the other thing too is like I, I I can't tell if it's Harry putting on a front or whatever, but there is a thing where he seems actually angry because he had a good relationship with Norman. Where main yeah. comics, I feel like Norman it was always kind of a strained relationship. A, a tough relationship. He talked about like playing catch with Norman. Like I don't see that I, happening in six one six Norman. I got the impression though that it that was a one time thing. He was pulling a Cody Rhodes. There's there's something oh, off. Yeah, yeah. There, there's something off in their in their relationship, and even both both Peter and MJ question the kind of man that Norman was and whether Harry's reaction was genuine. That's right. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and um, uh, MJ was, I thought, a really, really good in, uh, just character to bounce off. Like we, we don't get too much, but I think it it works to show how strong the individual characters are and their the relationships that they formed in this alternate timeline or this alternate world. I guess um, that all the characters are, are tight knit, and um, that Hickman again just does really good work with the the characters that he can handle um, and. Uh, played played really really well, and and the the MJ Peter dynamic feels real. Like I don't know the last time I saw, or two characters in a relationship in big two comics that just have that like post work day catch up. Yeah, that is just so realistic when it comes to like adult relationships. I like I like two of just the hey I just got I have to tell you something and it's like yeah 
Okay, cool. Yeah, we're gonna talk. Okay. And implicit wow. trust, like I'll talk to you later, but I will talk to you. Like that's fine. We'll talk. You know. Yeah. Can we talk about the art? Because holy shit! One thing talk I talk about MJ. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> one thing I, I specifically noted was um, a lot of times when you have plain backgrounds or monotone backgrounds. In this case, you know, you just have a singular color or it's just black in, in the back. A lot of the shadows in this or even in, in those scenes where it's just a panel, a single character uh, in the foreground, and then you have a, a single color in the back. It's like these scratches. It's 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 textured. It, it provides a bit of depth and layering. And Chichero does a, a great job doing that because it keeps a dynamicism in the book where sometimes if it was just flat, I would I'd fall asleep on it. it 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 doesn't it doesn't pop it doesn't um provide flow and movement even though it's technically just black in the background with a few different accents of like hatching yeah the hatching jumped out to me in the the bar scene because like yeah it's an accurate bar scene because you just have a wall behind you yep. but there's depth to it because of the hatching that adds like shadows and you it feels like they're in a physical spot rather than mm -hmm. oh i need to fill up the space here yeah this is a phenomenal looking comic book. It's 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 crazy good. <laughs> oh my god. I can't wait to see what the action's going to look like. <clears throat> there is really no action here to speak of. Um but if all Chiquetto had to do was draw people talking, I'd be into that. Yep. The scene between uh Ben and Jameson at the bar just drinking. Awesome. Just this little, just this little moment where they're kind of like laughing together, and you know he's what Jameson's wiping his eye, the tears out of his eyes. It's just great to look at. Do we even know what Uncle Ben did for work? He worked in uh, the bugle. What do you mean? But like his position, I guess. Like in the in our main universe before he died. Like oh. I don't know if I know. <laughs> uh, I just think um, it's a good idea to put him in the bugle because it it it, it temper it tempers Jonah. It makes Peter more involved as well. Like it's just a weird, it's a weird choice. But I was like, oh, okay, that actually works a lot story wise. Uh, back to the art. What do you think of the, what do you think of the Green Goblin design? It's futuristic. It's modern. I think it's fine, especially I, for an ultimate book. Better than an actual goblin, I think. I'm a little confused as to why it has the, the Osborne Industries logo on it. Like, all right, <laughs> you're not really hiding there if that's the case. Uh, but I'm fine with it, even though it feels like James Franco, New Goblin. Yeah. It, it didn't stand out. I'm not really a fan of it. Um, I think it's too basic. I'm, I'm thinking this is probably not whatever the final design is. I'm thinking this is like a first go type thing. Mm. Um, but we also don't know like is this person even like we associate Green Goblin with a nutty Osborne you know like is this that or is this a different thing sure I kind of wanted him to be Jameson oh shit I, I turned that page and I went oh Jameson but he was in the he would have been in the bar so the timeline there doesn't necessarily match up and that was Bullseye with Kingpin, right? Like, it was like an ultimate version of Bullseye? Don't know. Oh, the eye patch no. dude? 
Yeah, I don't yeah, because he had like a bullseye scar behind the eye patch. It looked like almost like the uh, movie bullseye's forehead scar. Oh, I didn't notice. That. Oh yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Or Deadshot. I don't know why, but they look like zombies to me. Like in this panel right here, the way they're colored, they just look dead. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. A little pale. This needs a nap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he looks like Uncle Fester. Like what yeah. happened there? Uh, this is a fantastic comic book. It really is. Uh, one of the better number ones that I can ever remember reading. Yeah. And it even gives us, you know, the origin of Spider-Man in a way that we've never seen it before. Even Ultimate Spider-Man's Spider-Man origin is essentially the same sort of stuff. It's the same trappings. And that was deliberate. This is the radical, and that's also deliberate. I'm radically in love with this, and I can't wait for more. Pick of the week. Yep. Pick of the week and pull it. I'm excited for the rest of the books, too. Black Panther, X-Men. Like, if they're Actually, also this radically different, uh, it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Ooh, Peach Momoko. Come on, baby. Ultimate X-Men. Let's go. No, yeah. come on, Sean. Sean is not uh, excited for that. I am oh. way out on that. Hyped. I'm not What's, convinced. It's definitely a pull. It's definitely a pull. Um, But I need more. need more from you. But, like, I'm also today. thinking, I'm also thinking and trying to remember, like, what reading the first issue of Bendis's would have been. And I think it would have been very similar to this. If Bendis were to have written this? Well, I, I mean, back in the day, you know, because we don't see Spider-Man in the first issue of Ultimate Spider-Man, you know, 2000 either. Sure. Hmm. But it's full of drama. It's very compelling. But it's not fully a Spider-Man comic, right? Like Spider-Man's not there. I see what you mean. Hmm. And I, I'm not I'm not saying that to denigrate it, but it's just not all the way there for me yet. Okay. You, you got to see some of the superheroics coming out of this now. You got to see him, um, him in action. Well, and I want to see what Hickman's cooking. Sure. I like the newspaper drama, and I like... Um, actually, I like everything surrounding Peter. I'm barely interested in Peter at all in this. Did he have like a black suit? What was the? Just looks like is that is that a silhouette or? It's in it's shadow. Yeah, it's in shadow. And then with the the amount of different covers we had with the suit, something tells me that like whatever suit we do get in issue two is going to be wildly different than what we've seen so far. I think so surprised by that but i also don't really understand why they wouldn't have just shown it if it was going to be standard spidey mm. it's not really a surprise if what it if it's green normal oh god what, what if it has know? like fur like an actual tarantula <laughs> what if it's web man oh i love web man oh listen <laughs> yeah before we move on from this, actually, real real fast, what do you guys think about the idea that in this universe, Peter is choosing actively to become Spider-Man? Mm. There's almost like a fate aspect of it because you can tell he knows something's wrong. Something was taken from him, but he doesn't know what it is, and it is it is festering in him. 
But the um, thing is, the thing about that is Tony put that there. Yep. True, true. So, I don't know. I, 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 I like the idea that uh, he chooses it because that's who he is. But I think I'd like to see more of him being that. You know, he gets. Well, I think Hound said it in in the uh, in the Discord at some point. Where is great power and great responsibility gonna come through? Because he's choosing the responsibility and the power yeah. in this moment. Um, and it also feels like a selfish decision to me. It doesn't feel because he's now choosing to live a life that is going to be extremely dangerous as we know and he has to know that and he's got kids like the 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 di- there's a huge difference between being a 16 year old nerd getting powers and saying you know what i'm going to use these powers to protect my hood and yeah. being an adult man with a life and saying you know what i'm going to get these powers i'm going to take them and i'm going to go and you know do whatever and leave mj at home with the kids when i could die but let, also, let alone the danger of falling as a 30-something. <laughs> I'm terrified to fall. Are you kidding me? Imagine doing a flip. Oh, I, let alone a backflip. Good God. <laughs> but, like, I, the one thing about that, though, is just, like, there are no superheroes in this world. So maybe he doesn't really know what he's getting into. That's a fair point. I mean, if you become if – you, if you put on a costume and go fight people, it's probably going to be – you know, it's probably going to put people at risk. True. I am on real life vigilante TikTok, and there's some wild stuff that happens on there. So that is true. Well, and even just seeing, you know, Tony in a funny suit, you know, and being blamed for, you know, this massive explosion or whatever, he knows he's putting a target on his face. Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, it, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I don't think he took the powers to just be able to swing around happily. I feel like yeah. he's got an agenda, and that agenda is at odds with his personal life. But again, it's a different spin, and that's why I'm excited to see where they go with it, even if I do feel like this is a selfish act. But we'll see how that plays out. Midlife um, crisis. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, Perez says, Sean, I think being tied to ultimate invasion in such a profound way might be detrimental in the long term. I can see that, but I trust mm. Hickman and I believe he's got a plan for this to make sense and feel right ultimately. But we also have to accept that it might not feel like what we expect from Spider-Man all the time. Mm. And ultimate invasion wasn't all the way his. Right. Yeah. We don't even know the depths of. Yeah, we don't. We'll we'll see how it plays out. But I think this is a, a good enough issue to uh, tide over anybody's concerns, at least for the first arc. Yeah. And are we on agreement that like Emma is probably not actually dead, right? I I think she's dead. Yeah. Because that that building got like zapped or that block got zapped out of existence, but like it disappeared it, there was no rubble. So I'm of the belief that like they didn't get killed. Norman's the one that I don't believe is dead. Mm. May I sort of feel like 
I sort of feel like Hickman wanted to make a deliberate choice to not lean on that character, but truthfully, anything is in play. Mm. We didn't see bodies, so that's I mean that's the rule, right? Nobody, no crime. Yeah. Well, we loved Ultimate Spider-Man number one. It's awesome. Go buy it. It's worth your time. We like to think we're worth your time, and if you agree with that, patreon.com slash thecomicspals is the absolute best way to show us your love and support. We appreciate everybody who joins us over there. We put out newsletters. We put out an exclusive show called Palling Around. You get to vote in the book club poll, which, by the way, The Dark Knight Returns won our book club poll, and we will be doing a book club about that on the 30th of January of this month. So come hang out with us live on youtube.com slash the comics pals for that one, or look for it afterwards, wherever it is that you like to get us from watch this show Thursdays at 6 PM. Eastern watch the main show every single Saturday at 10, 15 AM Eastern. And by the way, vote in the listener pick poll, which goes up every single Thursday at 5 PM. And uh, before we get into the next review, why don't we take a quick look at the poll and see where things are at Uh, right now. And this is exactly what I expected to happen. I'm not going to (laughs) lie right now. World's finest is tearing it up. The options are world's finest 23, which has 56% of the vote. John Constantine hellblazer. Number one, which has 13% of the vote X-Men 30 at 19% and jackpot. Number one at one or uh, at 13%. What? Yo, where are the Hellblazer fans? Percent. That's not even just Hellblazer. That's Swamp Thing too. Oh, where's the? Where are the people? Where are the people? I want to put the Marcos Minions theory to the test <laughs> because World's Finest is a juggernaut of a comic book. Yeah. So if the if the minions of Marco are real, then your book should win the poll. So why don't you, Marco, take a little bit of time right now to let your minions know to vote for your book. And if they're real, then that means Constantine will win. You have the floor. And uh, hold on. I just want to remind you that World's Finest is at 60%. And it's 60% versus 12% right now. Y'all getting beat by X-Men. I will also say. And you're say, tied with Jackpot. Only 17 votes, though. So uh, only, only 17 votes, and that's a perfect place to start, Tyler. Because I, I'll tell you, they haven't shown up yet. You're right. It's the middle. Of, you know, it's still the middle of the week. Uh, they're probably hustling out, making making bread, frankly, you know, and we, we let the, you know, the, the casuals come out, they'll, they'll go for the, the easy, you know, world's finest Superman, Batman, we've all read it before, we get it, right? But a new relaunch, a new Constantine, that is, that, that is a thing that people need to show up for, and they will, Sean, they will, I was about to say or, uh, but they will, uh, I won't, I won't attach a, 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 a stakes to that. Um, hey, Marco. Yeah. Hello. Tell him that was your challenge was to tell him. Yeah. What is all this filibustering? Can you can we move the show along? <laughs> Go vote for John Constantine Hellblazer. The minions will show up. Thank you. I just voted for it. Right. There they are. It's starting already. Kale, don't even worry about it, dude. Hit, hit, oh, hey, hey, listen. I want to read World's Finest. My book's getting read. Hit, hit, hit refresh. <laughs> Let's <laughs> Hit refresh. Okay, at the, sure. At, at the Why end of the not? Show. Okay, yeah, yeah. At the end of the show. We'll wait, we'll wait. Okay. okay. Let's move on. Let's talk about uh fall or I'm sorry, rise of the powers of X number one. This is the uh this is the future 
part of the end of the X line. Kieran Gillen what? wrote it. R.B. Silva on art. David Curiel on the colors. Clayton Cowles did the letters. This book takes place, for the most part, 10 years after the current continuity of what is happening in the X books. Um, and it's it, it echoes in many, many ways the Powers of Ten book that Hickman did. Um, and you know what? I got to say, this was very fucking strange. Yeah. We. This like, was really strange. Sean, you didn't like the this Hickman fan art? <laughs> wow. Wait, wait, did, did we not like this? We um I I mean I didn't say <laughs> I didn't like it. I didn't I didn't dislike it, but it's very strange. Man, I this almost was, did something dumb. I is, almost asked Marco to explain this comic book. Uh, hey, hey, Sean? Oh, I'm gonna go ahead and need that. <laughs> Let's. He he really messed up his pitch for Hellblazer. Mm-hmm. Let's give him another chance. Yeah, yeah. Second shot. Um, this was would have been pick of the week. Frankly, uh, I had a blast with this. He's already fucked it up. <laughs> yep. It it uh it effectively starts with the um oh omega omega <laughs> sentinel sentinel what. Omega Sentinel, Nimrod, are about to finalize their attack and uh, finally plea for Dominion to come to take over. And Rasputin, a few scrappy X-Men, are here to try to save the day. Like, that was easy enough. Um, they make their way through uh, with, what was it? The, not the or- Orcus Forge. The Mind World? The World Bomb? World Mind? Uh, where they would essentially cause a singularity across Mars to attract the Dominion. And mm-hmm. singularities absorb information, so therefore you're taking that information and you're presenting it to the Dominion so that they can ascend. Turned out the human plan was always to go through with um, Enigma to take over the Dominion itself. But that fails. All right. Marco, I love you, but you just maybe hate this book more. <laughs> yeah, I don't like this book anymore. <laughs> uh, that was that was great. Okay, so now we understand why it is that Marco liked it so much because it's gobbledygook. Um, there's just a lot of shit in here. As somebody that's been following this like very very seriously, there's a lot of stuff in here that is just random and feels weird and doesn't even make sense. And I'll start with this because this feels unfair, but I'm going to start with this because I didn't understand this. So the goal of Professor Xavier and Rasputin in the present is to prevent the Dominion, the, the AI sinister, becoming a Dominion, right? Okay, cool. We get that. The plan to prevent that is to go back in time and kill a child named Moira McTaggart. Nothing to do with Sinister. How? Why, why, I don't get it. What's the trouble there? If they go back in time yeah. and, they, and they're successful at killing Moira McTaggart, does that change the past? 
I think it posits that if you if Moira dies before her mutant gene ever activated, all of her lives are moot moot points at that point. Right. And we are back to uh, 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 Matt Rosenberg's X Men run. <laughs> but all of her lives are moot points because they exist separate. They're not in this. It's not a straight line. But then you her lives a, are irrelevant. But then you don't have a source to revert back. Because technically, Moira would always be the source to revert back, but you remove that X gene, so you you technically uh, it erases all of the potential of Krakoa. No, then you're just living life. Yeah, exactly. You're living life without having had a Moira who activated an X gene, and leading to the potential of any kind of Krakoa. So you're saying, okay, I see what you're saying. So you're saying that they kill Moira and life goes on in that in that timeline. With no Moira ever happening, Krakoa never happened, that's it. Right. Because Moira Moira also has the knowledge of each of our lives when she comes back. Right. So she would always be able to reset to some degree, mm-hmm. uh, but this would cancel all of that out. So she would be probably informed about all of this, presuming uh, that she doesn't know they're going to go back in time to kill her, which I think this is what part of this is going to be. That. That she's she's obviously going to probably have knowledge because uh, of the clones, the sinister clones that of, of Moira. He can always use that as a reset. So they have two competing resets at the moment, which is why they need to kill the child, Moira. Well, Moira, Moira can't. Moira, Moira is not a mutant anymore. Like she wouldn't be. No, she got her mutant powers removed, and then she became a robot. Yeah, right. she's not. She's already not a mutant. The fact that we're having this discussion is my issue with this book. Um, that yeah, it fun. took such a Hickman idea that is so uh, of a singular vision, and it's giving it to somebody else. Like I love Kieran Gillen. Die is probably one of my favorite books of like the past decade. But it's he's got he's got these blueprints and all these puzzle pieces with no real indication of where they go, and it just feels like all right, we need to have the Dominion, we need to have the World Mind, and we need to have post-humans uh let's get to that end point figure it out interesting i i was reading this as if this was already like almost a uh what is it like a, not a script but like an outline from hickman and he just kind of needed to fill in some words i think it probably is like i i read this frankly as because i read this right after ultimate spider-man and i read this as hickman i didn't I, yeah it said gillen at the top mm. but this was just Hickman to me. What? Well, yeah, the, the yeah, premise I, is Hickman. Like this is what we've gotten in, in Powers of X. Yeah. Powers of we don't know, but it's 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 the echoes of Hickman. It's somebody exactly. yeah. doing Hickman. It's not Hickman. And we have no way of knowing if this is the endpoint that Hickman had in mind. It but it's the end point of powers of ten. Like or that's trying the, to yeah, get that, there. That gets to. Right. Which yeah. is in a way a endpoint that we've already established. So, but it, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with it, but, but I that see end why. Point yeah. Doesn't exist. <laughs> I know that, that is not this timeline. Like, there's no that it's just not. It just doesn't work like that. That's a life that already happened, and this is going in a different way. But it's 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 the fate type of argument where they'll always get to a similar place, but it's not the same place. If that makes sense. But you mm. want to know what's wrong with this era of X Men? I'll show you guys right now. It's this. This infographic right here is fucking crazy. I didn't get it. 
You need a legend. You need to be a genius. You need you need a lot of things to get through that to get through that infographic. I didn't even read it at this point. Like I skipped past them at this point. It's not even fun. It's not tantalizing. Why are there still blackout? Why why are there still things that are that are blacked out? This is the we're last the, arc. We're at the end. Like, yeah. give us some information. Damn, it, I like that one. It's nuts. It's nuts. But let's 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 talk about the book for for you know what happens in it. Uh, I still I still like Nimrod. You know, I I enjoy Nimrod's dialogue for the most part. Again, it feels like Gillen doing Hickman. I think Hickman's Nimrod dialogue was superb. This feels like an echo of that. So there are times when it's good. But, you know, for the most part, it's whatever. Um, Moira comes out of out of nowhere. She's back in the fold. I feel like I haven't seen her much lately. Um, she doesn't even say anything. This. <laughs> yeah, not really. And there's so many sinisters running around that it's sort of like this, this is what I was afraid of. I didn't want this to be. At the end, the biggest problem they've had is sinister. And there's a new sinister now, right? With Enigma. Yeah, well, right. Enigma is not new. It's this is the AI version of the original Mister Sinister, who every time that one of the four Sinisters who we've been dealing with so far, every time that they learn something or get close to being a Dominion or anything like that happens, this one takes that information, and so what they're dealing with is the ultimate Sinister. Yeah, and he's he's used each of the the aliens the the. Uh the robots, the mutants, all of them as a, as a surefire way to ultimately become Dominion. Yeah. No thanks. Which I'm, I'm interested in that, but I, I just, I don't know. There's just something that's not connecting for me with this whole thing. When I was reading Powers of Ten, I never felt like, this is just stupid. This is bullshit. This is, I don't care. It felt smarter than me. Yeah. But this is like, this feels like this feels like Gillen trying to tell me what that was. Yeah, I and, and telling you what it was, and then like in summary, and trying to just close off the loops for all of those. Yeah, and it's like okay, you know, hey, it's the future. What random characters are we going to throw together to be the last X Men ever? Iron Man's there for some reason. Okay, uh, you know. Uh, Kamala Khan is is Captain Krakoa. All right, that was cool. Wolverine's there because who else? You know, it's just like I, I don't know. I, and I didn't dislike this comic book. I really didn't. I like Resputin. I'm a big fan of hers. I'm glad she's here in the end. You know, um, I like that she gets the shot in on on Sinister, even though that's irrelevant because that's not the one that matters anymore. Or I don't know. Right. Yeah. She she missed it by a few seconds or whatever. But that's not Enigma. But right? it was the last piece of information that he would have needed for Dominion. Hmm. Yeah. I had fun. Almost pick of the week. Wow. That's nuts, man. Yeah. Like, good. I'm glad you had a good time. But uh, to me, this is just like every everything else since Hickman left. It's just like, let's just wrap it up already. Like... <laughs> <laughs> It sucks to be going out sort of on a whimper. But then again, like I enjoyed last week's uh, rise of or fall oh. of the House of X. Yeah. 
I enjoyed that tremendously. Yeah. This one just didn't work as well for me. But uh, I hope I hope Gillen can stick the landing. I got to say, though, guys, I did not really care too much for the art. What? It jumped around. Yeah. I didn't think I. I don't know. I've seen RB Silva do what I think is a lot better work in this same line of comics. Yeah. And Crazy. he doesn't do the uh, Professor X stuff, right? Isn't somebody else that jumps in towards the latter half of the book? Uh, I don't know that. Let me see. I, I don't definitely think felt it. say that. Yeah, it felt different because I, I was going to comment on that. It felt inconsistent. It's possible that there was a ghost artist, but the book doesn't credit another artist with any amount of work here. Another, uh, you know, penciler. That's strange. Yeah, I just I felt a distinct difference. Yeah, that, especially. Yeah, especially that page. Um, just as uh, the one where Doug is walking away at the end of it. Um, the the difference sort of between the Xavier at the top of the page and the the Doug in the middle of the page. Like they look like they're done by two different people. Yeah, I I don't know. The art just didn't it just didn't do it for me. I and I'm surprised to feel that way because I love mm. RB Silva's X stuff. But even this page right here, where um, shoot, let me pull it up. Yeah, where it's uh, Professor Xavier and who's he speaking with in that scene? Um, I don't recall, but he's having a conversation with someone. thank you and the backgrounds there are just not filled in um like it's just all color i get that that's a stylistic choice but i don't understand it like i don't understand what that was supposed to say to me Mm. and given how i already felt about the art it felt sort of lazy um for me i'll agree with that it felt out of place but i appreciated the technicality i guess like, I like that it was the style. Hmm. Yeah. This is just, this is, I, I'll, I'm pull, I pull it. I liked it enough, but even though I know it doesn't sound like that. Hmm. Uh, just to say something sort of positive about it, I really like the colors um, and the, uh, the sound effect lettering. Felt hmm. like something new and crisp in, uh, in various places, like the, um, the Krakum when the uh uh I don't I don't even know which big yellow monster this thing is, but <laughs> the Dominion it's the Dominion, I guess, attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I thought that the lettering there and then there was one other place that oh it was the okay. The uh, <laughs> the first Dominion thing where the Urm that oh one. sure yeah yeah i thought that was uh unique. that felt unique hmm. <laughs> i mean in the chat when this is over i want to see sean's stack of floppies from this whole era dude no Ooh. you don't <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be taller than the tree you Sh- don't Sean, i gotta imagine in terms of like all the eras of x-men since house and powers fall of x you've probably read the least i mean i'm got i'm sure you've gotten a lot of it but at least for me I'm behind on a lot of it. Um, I think, I think that's probably true. 
I think that yeah, I think that's probably true. I'm less connected to the overall line than I've ever been. Mm-hmm. It sucks. It sucks to feel that way, but it just hasn't been. It hasn't we lit so, me on fire. Man, we were so hot. Mm-hmm. I thought this was gonna change the X Men forever. It did. Did it? No. No, we just gotta kill Mora <laughs> um, as a child, and then. Uh... <laughs> We got a whole boatload of comments there, so let's hit a few before we move on to the next book. Staying in the X ter- territory, Uncaged says, "I'm going to take Tyler's suggestion in the Discord and drop all of this and pick up in the summer." Uncaged oh. was asking if, you know, sort of how to grasp the immensity of what's going on in the X books right now. Tyler said, "Just take a powder and wait till." Oh, I think I said that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no, that was probably Kale. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's my favorite advice. Hey, man. Don't. <laughs> I I agree with that. I think this is it's too late. This is the end game. Yeah. You know, regardless yeah. of how anyone feels about the quality, I think you know we're just too deep. But I would always recommend, regardless of how much you read after, I would always recommend reading House of Powers. Yeah. Experience how cool that is, and get to live in that world for the ten issues or whatever. And that's all you have to do. Yeah, I think that's fine to do. Uh. Let's see. Um, Hickman already stated he left Cliff notes for his ending. I'm sure he did. That yeah. doesn't mean that they followed it to a T. And we know that there are branches and things that happened um, while he was gone that weren't necessarily his exact ideas. So maybe one day we'll learn the truth of, of this. But I doubt we'll ever know granularly how much was his idea, how much was someone else's. Yeah. Hey, uh, Sean, Aaron wants to know if you still got that X of Swords book wrapped. Well, why don't we find out, Aaron Ruiz? <laughs> oh, no, Sean, Sean's gone. Bye, Sean. You need Guys, seven. while Sean's gone, how, uh, what's over under how long the Christmas tree is going to be up? Ooh, it was up till like February this year. I'm going to say <laughs> mid-March. Okay, same. So <laughs> what I have here in my possession. Oh, that's a is a wrapped copy of X of Swords. Never been read, never been opened. This oh, is the yeah. entire sure trade, enough. the entire omnibus, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I deeply regret the fact that I have this. You're so excited for that. I was so excited. A question on that, Sean. Yeah. Was that cover price? No. So what happened was I bought Amazon. I don't know why they had such a crazy deal on it, but I I just said, okay, screw it. And I scooped it up thinking, oh, this is a sure bet. I'll never regret this purchase. Marvel Marvel is like, look, we got to get people to buy this. (laughs) Put it on Amazon right after the first issue. Like (laughs) the uh, Amazon either pre-orders or like glitches. I jump on even if I don't need it. So, um, Dan says Sean would tear a muscle trying to pick that stack up to show the camera. I need a fork lift, Dan. If we're talking X Men, I need a fork lift. Get that squat going. Let's uh, let's get into the next book. Stay in the X Men world. Wolverine number forty one is the first issue of Sabretooth War. Benjamin Percy's sort of um, last X story that he's getting to tell Gillen is getting his, you know, every, every writer who's been a part of this phase is getting their last X story to tell. And um, this is, this is uh, 
Ben's with Victor Laval, of course, who's handling the Sabretooth side of things. Jeff Shaw and Corey Smith on the pencils. Um, Orion Jr. also on pencils. Alex and Clear on colors. Corey Pettit on the letters. And I have not been keeping up with either Sabretooth's exploits or Wolverine's, for that matter. So I haven't really known where either character is at. That being said, I know, and I'm sure we all know, about the relationship between Sabretooth and Wolverine and how horrible and dark that is. And that's all the information you need to enjoy this comic book. Yeah. I thought this was actually awesome. I thought it was... For, for a story that has multiversal Sabretooths in a spaceship, I thought this was pretty straightforward and and like a good hunt story, you know? And... I like how the cover is like the most violent Wolverine story ever told. Parental advisory, not for kids. Um, it is pretty violent. Yeah. They kill some of my favorite characters. And in a world without resurrection, it kind of is like, oh, I have to feel about an X-Men dying ag again? That's a thing. Oh, yeah. Um, it's interesting. I'm just, I'm just happy to see Sabretooth back. I'm a big Sabretooth guy. Pipe oh. was cool. Yeah. Th this this issue is apparently Sabretooth has like a multiverse of Sabretooths that he has connected with and tapped into, which, you know, I'm sick to death of multiverse of anybody at this point. Yeah. So I wasn't really that into it, but it is sort of a funny dynamic where 616 Sabretooth is not the brightest bulb, but not all Sabretooths are like him. I thought mm -hmm. that was kind of funny. There's a Captain America one. Um, random, yeah. And they're going to tear it up on Krakoa, except that Sabretooth doesn't know that Krakoa is, like, not... The party's over, and he don't know it. But he's got other plans. He can go after Wolverine, as he loves to do so much, and he catches some bodies. Catches some bodies. What he does to uh, Dokken is crazy. Oh, is that who that was? Yeah, he yeah. goes by oh, Fang man. now. Ugh. Okay, Fang. I didn't Fang? know that. Yeah, Fang. Okay. Yeah, Fang. Rocky Hero. Yeah, man. Yeah, that was messed up. That <laughs> bit where where Fang and Wolverine have like a father son moment, and Akihiro is talking about how it's like, all right, we actually need each other now, and it and it, the relationship feels different. I'm like, yeah, that we haven't had that yet, really. Ever since Doc and, or Akihiro or whoever he wants to be called nowadays has been back, he's kind of been separate from Wolverine. He's been with, you know, Laura and he's been with Scout and all of them, but not really with Logan. So it was cool seeing that, even though it was temporary. <laughs> boy, oh boy, was it temporary. Yeah. Um, And the way, oh my God, dude, the way that he realizes that Sabretooth is there when he cuts that dude open, you yo, mean Mudbug? What the hell? Like, I didn't need to see that. I didn't realize that this advisory warning was legitimate. Somebody should have told me shit. Well, and what they what they do to Quentin Quire too? They they caught him and immediately devour him. Yeah, <laughs> I I saw that and went. Oh, oh, we, we're going there. 
and and Quentin and Mudbug are two of my favorite characters from uh, uh, New X Men that when went into Wolverine the X Men. So I'm like, oh, now you're just you're just kicking me where it, where it hurts. My my D list character knocking section. you down. Well, you and you and Wolverine for sure. There were so many angry people about this comic book. Really? really? Yeah. A lot of Quentin Quire fans out there. I gotta, I gotta just put this out there. Like, if you, if you don't want to deal with just complaining about needlessness in comics, avoid reading what people say on Twitter, because I saw a thread talking about how, oh, uh, you know, I can't believe they're killing these characters. I hate this comic with my whole heart. Uh, Sabretooth killing more POCs for Wolverine's white pain. Like, can we please move on from that kind of narrative? Is, is Mudbug please? a POC? Dokken or uh, oh, okay. all right. Like, can we can we not? Right. Baby's first X Men. It sounds like in, in a post Krakoa world where people actually die, they're not used to it. They, they <laughs> did this during freaking Matthew Rosenberg's run. They went yeah. crazy. This is just this is just what it is. It's Sabretooth. It's gonna kill people. What's that? Uh, James Franco is it a Ballad of Buster Scruggs or uh, meme or whatever? Where it's like yeah, he's on the first he's time, on the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's on the gutters, <laughs> and he's like, oh, first time, yeah. welcome to X Men." <laughs> this is not at all what I what I hoped would happen when Sabretooth first got thrown in the pit. Um, I hope for something a lot more cool than this. From the, like in the multiversal aspect, like I don't think that that is cool, and I don't think that that has anything to do with what I wanted for Sabretooth. Mm. But as a like an end of the Krakoan age story for these two characters, Sabretooth and Wolverine, this is a great start, actually, I think. Sure, I'm said, way more the... excited about way more excited about this than anything that's happening in Fall or Rise. Yeah. Yeah, this was this is much better in my opinion. But Sean, you said the pit. Do you mean the Kokosi? Is that what you're talking about? I guess <laughs> I guess I do. I guess you're right. <laughs> oh, I, I have one question that maybe one of you guys can help me out with. Actually, um, what what's up with the fucking lack of heads on the other saber tooths? I didn't get that. So, I liked that. I assumed it was all right. These are multiversal saber teeth and um, wolverines, and they're not good enough. But we can use them as 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 bodies. They're red shirts. These are the red shirts of the saber saber tooth Star Trek. But yeah. why don't they have heads? Well, so you don't need to that, think that much. I, I I can't attest to, but the um the credits page does say that he got his multiversal guys from Orcus, mm. so it might be an Orcus thing. Okay, I just figured it's easier to have uh, uh fodder when they don't have brains to think for themselves. But then, how do they move and stuff? Well, I, I, that's also the question, like regeneration. How does that work? You know, but it yeah. looks like is it from like the head down. A, is it? Yeah. I don't know it, because it all they have like these like sensor things on them, and like it looks like a, like a little cap on top, hmm. a bottle cap. Keep it in. Yes. <laughs> I didn't get that, but I I, I dug this. Um, I dug it. The art's pretty good. It's gruff and grim. What you would expect for a book like this. What it should yeah. be. And the gruesomeness is extremely effective. Like, it's gory, it's nasty, but I think it works. And it's, I, I almost wanted to say it's not gratuitous. I don't know if that, I don't know if that makes sense. 
Like, it doesn't feel overdone, but it's definitely, like, intense. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a lot. Yeah. It's meant to shock a little. I did... Even throughout all this that we're talking about, there's still bits of humor in this, too. Yeah. Like, the whole uh, Sabretooth Prime, when he's on the space deck chair, and he's he's sitting Mm. exactly like Kirk, too. He's pulling a Kirk. Um and how he gets in uh, one of them's like, oh, we should do this. He's like, no, I'm in charge. Uh, do that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just love how stupid Sabretooth feels in this too. Because like he feels smart because he's got machinations, but he's never big picture. And like his whole plan for Kokoa doesn't work out. Uh, he's an idiot mm-hmm. on the ship. I, there's that bumblingness to him that I'm enjoying in this as well. It's fun. But he's also, he's also got that singular focus, which yeah. is to torture Wolverine. And the idea that Logan will always know when Sabretooth's about to do something. It's just something that chews at him, that that he feels in this. I'm like, oh, I just love how they have that connection to each other. Visceral. It's just Visceral on sight. Nature. It's like Peter Peter and the chicken. It's like Peter and Chad. Paul, this was real good. Yeah. Paul. Yeah. I, I think Ben Percy's doing good stuff. And then we got a Ghost Rider hood coming up. I'm just saying. Ben, ben Percy, big fan. Paul. Let's get into Action Comics 1061. This is the launch of the Superman All-Stars branding, you know, new identity for Action Comics where Jason Aaron and Joshua Williamson are going to split writing duties. I'm sure art duties will be split as well. And so we're being introduced to Jason Aaron's first arc on a mainline DC book. Obviously, I'm not counting Batman Offworld. Um, This is Jason Aaron's first foray into the you know, the muck of the DC, you know, proper universe. Um, so it's Aaron with art by John Timms, colors by Rex Locus, letters by Dave Sharp. And it is a Bizarro-focused story where Bizarro, through some bizarre means, acquires hmm. some magical powers and decides that he is going to put Superman and Earth through hell and get revenge for the fact that he feels so lonely because his planet is gone. And you know what? This was I thought this was excellent. I thought this was excellent. As Bizarro would say, me am no like this book. <laughs> nice. I was speaking in Bizarro speak too. I didn't like this at all. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm I was, just I was wondering I, if one I of really us was gonna do the bit, so I went for it. <laughs> I did like it. Um I have never read a like threatening Bizarro book before. And just the idea that Bizarro is the antithesis of Superman is the reverse of Superman. It's, it's mirrored. And Superman's weakness is magic. So Bizarro would be amplified by magic. It's such a good idea. And it's almost like staring at you. Mm. But I've never seen anyone do that. And I just really like that bit of it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, on the art front, I've, I'd, I enjoyed it. I think one of the things that I I feel like I'd been commenting about was it, it, it kept feeling too dark, a little too muddy and, and uh, moody for the title. This felt brighter. I think the setting obviously makes a lot of sense. We're dealing with magic. So coming off of the, um, the PKJ stuff, this was a nice turn. It felt, it felt more vibrant, a little bit brighter. And I think that that fits the Superman character a bit more, in my opinion, at least. Um, so, yeah, I had fun from both the writing standpoint and the art end. Both things worked in conjunction well. 
Yeah, I agree. I think um I think Tim's art is great. Very, yeah. very appropriate for a Superman comic book. It's um I kind of want to say like traditional. It's, it's like what you think Superman probably looks like. And that's great. It's good to see that. Um and the colors are awesome too. You know, it's not too too often that you get to see Superman dealing so directly with magic and stuff like that. So you get the purples, you get the the like magic tornado swirl stuff, which all looks really great and cool. And then earlier on when Bizarro's fighting with those like magi, um their powers being used against him looks awesome. So this is a really good looking book. Yeah, I agree, Marco. Um Bizarro is the star of the show. And I normally don't care as much for Bizarro type dialogue. Like it's like, okay, I gotta decipher this shit. And it's rarely that compelling. But I thought Aaron really used it well. Like he did a great job making me feel things for the character because of the fact that he was speaking that way. And then also making his threats a lot more threatening. And it's weird. Like, I'm gonna try to find some slick bizarro dialogue because I do think that there is there's quite a bit of it. Yeah. There's a moment where Bizarro is like really giving it to Superman and he says, Don't stop, Superman. I want you dead for what happens next. And that's not what he means. He means stop. I want you alive for what's gonna happen next. But the fact that he says I want you dead just makes it sound so crazy. I get I admit I get hung up on the bizarro stuff because in my mind, shouldn't he say I don't want you dead for like yeah 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 so I get I get real stuck on bizarre stuff where like I just have to be like all right I give up it just it, is, it just is but I he means the opposite of what he says I know so if he wants him alive he sh- he would not want him dead He's saying, I want you dead, but he wants him alive. I guess, I guess, where's the want? See, I start getting into bizarre grammar, and then I get lost yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah. It, like, do you do each was... word, or do you do the idea? I don't know. But Bizarro's not smart, so he's just saying, he's like, just saying, like, you know. Yeah, I don't think it's each word. He's not Zatanna. It's the point. It's the message that yeah. he's sending. Although he does do Bizarro Zatanna, Zatanna stuff in it, and I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, that was, that was yeah. why. That was cool. Yeah, I read that like a couple of times. Like, wait a moment. Yeah. Did you feel yeah, stupid? I felt stupid. I was like, oh man, why is this hard for me? <laughs> it was I had fun with this. I, I had a lot of fun with the bizarro stuff. Kale, what'd you make of all that? Uh yeah. I thought it was thought it was good. Hmm. Did it feel like typical bizarro fare to you, or did you get more out of it than you normally do? Um I don't I I think similar to Tyler, I, I think Aaron's doing something really unique here by making Bizarro a real weird threat. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's different it's it's a bit like seeing um uh Philip Kennedy Johnson's Hulk right now in that the Hulk is chasing Banner and the Hulk is this, you know, this really conniving horror show of a of a hero. You know, uh, of a of a thing that we've seen, you know, over and over again, but this time it's kind of different. And normally we see, you know, Bizarro as like a a comic relief character, mm-hmm. you know, with the backward speak and oh he's bumbling around and oh no he's going after Lois that's funny, 
Um, but this is like threatening. And he's like, he's legitimately lost some stuff, which has made worse people than than him do crazy stuff. Yeah. To that point, I mean, it gives him uh, stakes. And so that makes him threatening. Agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's crazy with love. And I love that even even like as this is progressing and, and sort of getting weirder, Superman's still trying to help him. He's t- like, you can tell just yeah. how badly Superman wants to try and help and, and not have to fight Bizarro. Because they've worked I, all this out. Right. Yeah. 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 I really felt for him. Uh, and then I liked at the end the speech, like, because he, he calls out that they invert speech again. Mm-hmm. And so there are more meanings. It, we had already gotten accustomed to a certain way, like a framing. And then towards the end, he's like, "Oh, you know, I'm uh, the the crying bit where really he was laughing, and um, and it's revealed that he has spilt out his magic amongst the population of Earth, trying yeah. to turn them into bizarros. Good stuff. Yeah, uh, I would say, Paul, I agree with the comment that said I don't remember who said it, but that this feels like it has absolutely nothing to do." with what was happening in action comics prior to this comic book coming out. Mm. I typically don't like that at all. I'd like continuity. I mean, shit, we can't, we can't have continuity feel right in the wider DC. That's one thing, but it should feel right in the individual comics, but be that as it may, you know, this, this is still a good book. I was not looking forward to this and I liked it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Same. I like J- I like Jason Aaron's work, and I just haven't been reading it too often lately because he's not really been doing much in my realm of comics. So it's uh, nice to see him do something a little different. Pull. Yeah. Pull. Wow. No one has passed on anything, has, has have we? Not yet. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, well, we'll see. We'll see how things yeah. go. Um. Amin says, I loved oh. it, but it should have been a miniseries, not 1061. It doesn't carry anything from 1060 and back. Almost like it's giving people a jumping off point. Every jumping on point is jumping off point for someone. Wise words. The 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 one thing I'll say is this, whatever this leads to, the city of Bizarro, we did literally just see with Parasite and uh, with tallow, the, the blue tallow? Yeah. stuff too. So I'm kind of, I don't know. Totally agree. the The actual cliffhanger turned me off. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, did we all pass kids? on Rise? Or I guess no, no, I didn't pass. Oh, I passed on it. Sorry. Okay, so there you yeah, go. I'll pass on that big time. <laughs> oh shoot! <laughs> Fair enough. Well. Let's jump into Titans Beast World, number four. Written by Tom Taylor with art by Lucas Mayer, Romulo Fajardo Jr. on colors, Wes Abbott on the letters. Before we actually talk about the book, I want to say hello to everybody that is currently with us watching us live. You guys are awesome. Thanks for tuning in. Hit the like button if you haven't. Helps us out a lot. No game, of course. We'll do that on Saturday, but... It's just one of the many ways that you can show your support. If you haven't said hello in the chat, give us a holler so we know that you're here and you're liking what we're doing. 
Beast World has, what, two more issues to go, I think? And this issue finally sort of accelerates things. And we start to get a look into more of what Amanda Waller's plan consists of. Um, and the situation on the ground escalates. But guys, I just don't. I'm not I'm not feeling it. I've I've waned. This is a good issue, I think. I don't I don't like I don't think this is a bad comic. I'm just struggling. It's it's weird because I'm I'm with you, Sean. I think this is a good comic book. Uh the the uh the art is great. Um The Best Titans has looked through this whole line. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um I think it has some really fun Amanda Waller in it too, who we've been kind of like, all right. You're trying to make fetch happen a bit too much with Waller, um, mm. but she does like some like real badass Amanda Waller stuff in this. Um, but at the same time, as soon as you show me that shot of like Superman and Hal Jordan just playing second fiddle in the background, I'm like, that just doesn't feel realistic. Just take them off the board if they're there and just twiddling their thumbs up their ass. Like, it takes me out of it. I, I can't even begin to describe to you how frustrating that, that scene was. You know, the the characters on the ground are struggling to stop Giganta, who has turned into a giant bear. Ooh, and yeah. huh? No, 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 no. And you know, she's tearing apart a city. This is desperate times. And you gotta think, this isn't just happening right there. This mm-hmm. is happening on, on the whole world. So the heroes of Earth are barely surviving, and you have the greatest heroes ever in space literally watching nothing. They're just floating in space. You this have, is unserious. You have one of the main flashes just not around. Yeah. Well, and and on top of all that, like... So Waller's big plan is to put an innocent man who can create black holes, I guess, inside Beast Boy to have him blow up and die. Right. And this guy will be uh, collateral damage. You think Superman's going to put up with that? <laughs> I, the, the the big thing that frustrated me was, you know, they keep saying Donna Troy and Starfire is going to be like the biggest threat and all that stuff. Literally, Giganta becoming a friggin' bear, destroying cities across the board. Like, what? Yeah, I mean, all of them are huge threats if they turn into a beast, an uncontrollable beast. Um, You know, like, the, the, like Tyler said, the Waller stuff is fun, Peacemaker, all that. I got no problem with that stuff. But I don't believe in this. I don't believe in it. I think they made a huge mistake. And it it it, it casts a shadow over the entire book. For all that, they ju- should have just had the primary Justice League members become beasts. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Because even the characters in universe are saying that the Titans are the ones who are going to save them. Right. Why? That's not everything we've seen from DC says that the Justice League characters, forget the team. People would say Superman's going to save us. You know, Batman will save us. The Titans will save us. 
just like it just feels like just because DC wants them to be the team, that's what it is in this universe, even though that doesn't make sense. You know, we need a justice gang. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, and and you know, like we've said all along, like DC's handicapped the Titans altogether. You know, they don't want them to be the main team. That's when you call in the big hitter, my boy, Swamp Thing. Oh, God. I don't like Swamp Thing doing superhero stuff. I, I, I don't know if that's a hot take. No, it's not. It doesn't fit. It never fits. It feels weird. It feel, it's, it's just not him. That's what I'm saying. He's just like, oh, like, help. I'm like, no, who, who, go, go back to your Swamp Buddy. <laughs> I feel like he could have had some sort of role, but him just like like helping humans yeah. is, is strange. Like He could do something. But, you know, just wrapping up a building like this feels like a yeah. weird – that's a weird use of his immense power. plastic man, like <laughs> small. And, and I small also – so I read two, three, and four uh, for this. Oh, why? I had to catch up. I, had to catch up. <laughs> oh, um, I didn't do any of that. I haven't read any of this. <laughs> two isn't bad. And issue two has Animal Man show up for a page. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. He doesn't show up again. He never shows up again. And I was like, oh, come on. Uh, at the risk of sounding dumb, maybe one of you guys can help me out. Is there is there a reason why Superman is wearing like a like a mask right here? And that is a very valid thing to say. <laughs> he does that sometimes. It kind of depends on who uh, who is drawing him. I think is it the spores? Some, uh, no. It's it's an old thing. I think it goes. I mean, it goes even further back into like old invasion territory. If you remember, he he wears a mask then too. He Sometimes he can really hold his breath. Sometimes he can't. In that in that at that time, Superman was losing his powers. Yes. So that was why he was wearing the mask then. I'm really confused. Like if they just simply said they don't want Superman to get spored. I'm with that. That's a great explanation. And maybe that's what we're supposed to. The problem is they cannot bring up Superman without it being a problem. Right. Genuinely, though, it's a thing that just. It's up to whoever. Because you remember in uh, Kingdom Come. Even that far ahead, he wears uh, a breather in space. Interesting. Superman lost. He has the mask on, too. So I think I think. I think I think he it's like uh, invincible. I think he can hold his breath. Yeah, but he can't breathe. Right. So he's making like a quick where he's just going like a million miles a second. Yeah, it's because it's a sprint. He can he can he doesn't need it. But if he needs to persist in space, he needs a mask. Right. Yeah. Roboter said says burn era needed a device. I think that's just a thing. So it's just a choice. Okay. Fair enough. Um. Uh. Doctor Hate just showed up to pose. The fuck was up with that? Right at the end. Power pose. (laughs) I was like, okay, cool. I'm about it. Let's see what's going to happen here. Next page. Nothing. He's kind of cool looking. He's Uh pretty cool looking. Yeah, he he, he does look awesome. He looks like like Zerg a little bit. Yeah. I just think it's funny. That's a great call, Marco. That's a great call. Out of the two out of the three most recent DC events. Uh, Beast Boy's eye has exploded. <laughs> <laughs> and this one, he only has the one. It's true, yeah. Poor guy. 
Mean Press says, Sean, I have a theory why Taylor is making me kind of care about, and it might be because it's similar to Deceased, where you have a horde of enemies and allies slowly turning. Yeah, and I don't like that type of stuff. Like, I don't buy, I don't, I never read Marvel Zombies, I never read Deceased outside of like maybe an issue or two. I just don't, I don't like it. It's not my vibe. Deceased mm-hmm. is better though, because there's actual stakes involved. They can kill people. Um, I don't care about that though. Like, I just, I true, I truthfully don't like seeing these characters turn, like, oh, Batman turned into a wolf. Like, it's a cool visual and that was a good moment, but I don't care because. I want Batman as Batman, not as anything other than that. Yeah, I think it works with disease because there's lasting effects, and you cannot do that in this. Kong Boom saying that everybody's being led well by Nightwing, but like, it, it's weird that he is leading them when they're around. Like the circumstances by which he is operating don't feel like he needs to be the one operating. Yeah, like if we had to say right now, right, like if a field mission was taking place or a global threat, who in the world of DC would be the leadership? We obviously would know Batman would be at the top of the list, but he's off the table. So who are the two and three down? Daddy Superman, bro. And Wonder Woman. Yeah. And That's Wonder Woman. Yeah. I would I would certainly think Wonder Woman. You wouldn't think Superman? I'm not sure. I mean, I would believe it before Nightwing. I'll say that. Are you thinking like tactician? Is that the way the way you're? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I see. Oh. If I'm thinking leadership, it's Superman. But in terms of tactician, maybe not Superman. That's why you need Batman as a foil. Amanda Waller. Should I put Martian Manhunter <laughs> as a, as a as a bigger thing? Manhunter, he can tactician. lead them even with his mind, Who, which is really also cool. around still. Just just doing nothing. Eating Oreos. Just just absolutely useless in this type of situation, Tyler. Completely Just eat some Hydrox cookies. <laughs> uh, John Styles, events in comics are becoming tiresome. I agree with you. I've never had that feeling, but boy, oh boy, has it been a decade. Becoming? It's been a year, man. Like This year has felt like a decade for events, and it's all man. been bad. It's been bad. Um... Nightwing kind of overrated right now. I'm with you, bro. I know that that is the hottest of takes, but man, oh man, I just don't get it. Like, I I think Nightwing is cool. I enjoy him as a character, but he's way more street level than Batman to me in my mind, and I just don't think this role fits him. It's not even where I want to see him. It's like Daredevil leading the Avengers. Like, yeah, it's just I odd. love Daredevil. That wouldn't work. I just, I... I got to step up for my boy here. Like, again, he's being done dirty. Like, this I, is this is 100% DC's fault. Tell I don't him, think he's him. overrated because I think Nightwing is properly rated. He's overexposed, though. At the moment, yeah. That I, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Overexposed and being misused. But he's been, he's been leading the Titans since he was, you know, in short shorts, like... If anyone, you know, they, it's been the basis of DC lore that everyone loves Dick Grayson, period. So it makes complete sense that he would be in that role when everybody else is off the board. The problem is nobody's off the board. Right. So why is he in that position? We saw this exact thing happen in Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths. 
when everyone is gone, they turn to Nightwing. It makes sense. He's the leader of the second biggest team that yep. they have. I told I'm with that. Yep. And I hate to keep repeating myself. And I promise next issue, if you guys vote for it, I'll try not to say this anymore. But Superman is present. I'm sorry. Like I, I just I can't get over that. It's fair. Yeah, it's fair. And it, again, same. I'm a broken record here. The the Titans are useless. They're beat, you know, like like we said with the first issue of Titans, they're going around putting out forest fires. They can't handle a giant bear. <laughs> like, what good are they? The first page of this run should have been, and I said this, should have been uh, Nightwing knocking out uh, Trigon. Yeah, yeah, Up that stakes. Make them the team. DC has not done that. They do not deserve this. Uncaged says, if you want to elevate Titans, you just can't do Brother Blood, eco-terrorism, and global changeling event. I want the Titans to stop, say, Joker from actually killing Batman or something. The sentiment of his point is that they need to level up. And I agree. If they've played the hits yep. and they've, you know, helped Smokey the Bear stop forest fires. That's <laughs> not enough. And, yep. you know, quite frankly, this kind of event, I wish they would stop doing. It's it's It really hasn't served anybody. And um, I, But I think all the creatives involved are doing well. I just think this is just like a mistake. Like the concept, the the direction is a mistake, and it weakens the event that is otherwise strong from a creative effort standpoint. Yeah. Pass. All right. Do I want to pass? Oh, yeah, that pass. slipped out of my mouth. Holy shit. That, that, that's it. That's how you felt. That was, a gut, that was gut reaction. It's okay, Sean. All right, then. That's what it is. Pass. Wow. I can't believe you do that. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, what else? Oh, where are you guys at? I think so, I've, man. Yeah, hard pass. pass. Yeah, yeah. Hard pass. Yeah. That's a pass for me. Looks good. Art's good. It looks great. Or lateral pass. That's harsh. Hey, we said that they're doing the good work. It's just not living up to a standard and expectation of where we feel the character should be. Again, they're not doing the good work. Well, fair enough. If they were, we wouldn't be having a problem with it. <laughs> Manny says, yeah, it seems like this book is missing animal heroes and mind-reading heroes. I, I, Yeah, like, where's Gorilla Grodd at? Like, let me see that. Kong Gorilla? Yeah. Yeah, yeah are, you are you telling me Wally can't go see Gorilla Grodd and be like, look, we've got this thing going on. We need help. This is going to affect Gorilla City. Like, come on. That's cool, actually. That, and then, like, he has to make, like, deal and wheel a little bit. But that's the classic shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the type of shit that you do in events. I feel like if you go back and you look at, like, Blackest Night and you look at these epic DC events that they've done, there are those kinds of moments. I love the moments when the villains and heroes of DC team up because I always felt like at least those types of villains, like the rogues and the grods, like, they see a bigger picture. Yeah. And I like that concept, and I want to see that. If only there was a superhero that could speak to... A majority of the animals on the planet and on a planet that's mostly covered by water. Aquaman? I don't know who that is. Does he have a movie out or something? <laughs> they already used Animal Man, so I, what do you want? <laughs> Just a five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Transformers. Number four. Daniel Warren Johnson on the words and art. Mm -hmm. Not for long, as we learned today. 
But mm. uh, Mike <gasps> Spicer on the colors. Yes, Marco. Russ Wooten on the letters. And this issue is just more of what we've come to expect. There's more Transformer fighting. Uh, things get dire for the kid that we've been following, Spike, as you know, they try to rescue him. And um, Optimus has to use a lot of power to try to save this kid. And, you know, my favorite... Uh, my favorite Transformer of all time, Starscream, is being a little shit, and I absolutely love it. <laughs> that being said, guys, I'm going to say something hot right now. This was my least favorite issue of Transformers. And, oof, man. And I actually felt like the art was a little rough. Oh. Wow. Oh, I didn't get that at all. Yeah. Sean, I got a question. Mm-hmm. Did the news about the art change get to you before or after you read it? I read this before that. Okay. okay. I actually, my thought was, wow, that makes sense considering what I just read. Oof. Huh. Hmm. I didn't I didn't feel a dip in the art. Um, I thought uh, there was a lot more. Take a, take a, go ahead and take a second look at that page where um, Cliff Jumper and uh, the girl are having their uh, their little chat and uh look at the uh the various sizes of cliff jumper's head yeah and there's a panel right here where a dude for no reason at all has a chicken head like <laughs> i don't know what happened but that's been living in my mind all day and since yesterday when i read this like there's a big explosion that happens in a hospital somehow the characters live they're dead by like they're dead there's no way you live through this like the explosion yeah. is all-encompassing they're completely fine the technology that they're using the medical equipment completely fine the only problem is the power is out yeah that's it but the guy's got a chicken head i don't know what happened there wait which guy dude look at this panel i'm i'm closing up right now look at that guy's head it's a chicken head his his head is tucked between his his arm oh i see what you're saying sean I don't see his head there. Yeah. Those, those are, are his glasses. glasses. This is glass. He's, he's looking down at this. He's dabbing. Yeah, he is dabbing. That, oh, man. Wow. Huh. I guess you I see a young I guess woman or an old mean. witch. I guess I see what you mean. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, 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 just, I just felt like a lot of pages and panels didn't have the power that they could have had if there were less panels on the page. I feel like the Transformers size doesn't come across great all the time in this mm. book because there are a ton of panels. Um, I, I th- yeah. I think that's fair. I think he's treating them too much too much as people when the, and similar to we had had maybe a, a last week or the week prior with um, JRJR and like tight paneling. I think he's doing a lot of tight paneling here that's messing with the, uh, like the foreground and the background. And so they look, they can look smaller and I think they look too cartoony like in the faces. It's a little too caricature. Oh, I love how cartoony they look. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I have two counters to what you guys are saying. Uh, First one is jazz shows up and gives guys stunner. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's pretty sick. And I also like how jazz shows up and then Optimus gets Megatron's arm. Those are all sick. I know, but that's like where I am with this book. It's like, uh, I always talk about how books are feel like toys being played with, and sometimes that's a that's a that's a detriment. Mm. Um, 
for me, that feels like what this is in the action sequences. And then it has some real heart in it that feels like do a power bomb. It feels like Murder Falcon. And I really like that kind of combination of two things. I think Daniel Warren Johnson does really well. Um, I'm not sure where it goes, though. You know? Because <laughs> it could be a lot of this over and over and over again. But so far, I'm enjoying the ride. That's a that's a good thought though. Like like, what do we what do we do long term here? Is it is it just this back and forth? Like, are, are we gonna build to something? Because I feel like I haven't. I feel like there isn't stuff going on enough in the background to be like we're leading up to a thing. Yeah, like I you know, and we can predict a lot of stuff. Megatron will you know come, and there'll be some kind of war for power among the Decepticons and all that, you know, Optimus got to level up here with his new gun toy and things like that, you know, but it's, it's definitely going to feel like the same old stuff. And I already sort of feel like that because a lot of the stuff that happens in this issue, I feel like we've been seeing, you know, the, the transformers on the good side, trying to help the humans, the transformers on the bad side, trying to kill them. Everybody needs power. What will we do to get this power? Like, it's, oh, no, Megatron is a looming threat. Starscream thinks he's the real leader. Is he, though? I, you know. Yeah, this is this is the stuff that really made me hesitate in that first issue. It really made me um, not too into it because it's like, you know, the Transformers only have four stories. One thing, though, is that it's kind of looming is that this still has G.I. Joe stuff involved. This still has Void Rival stuff involved, which could show up at any moment. I'm like, Duke popped up out of nowhere in issue two. Um, So that could be cool. Like if there's a Transformer that transforms into a G.I. Joe Hiss tank from Cobra, like that's would be interesting. But we're not there yet. And this is kind of it's it's its own thing. Um, I don't know. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, Dan says uh, it's almost like it's a basic story used to tell to sell toys. <laughs> I've been I thought, so close to buying a Transformer recently. I thought that, like, because that's awesome, right? I got no problem with that. I thought that we could have more, and I still think we could have more. I'm really focused on how I felt about this specific issue. And I don't want to feel like this going forward. I don't want to feel like everything I read is going to feel like the same thing I read already. Because we're too young into this. You know, there's a lot of heart. Tyler said it earlier. There's there's great scenes, heartfelt scenes. But we've had action, heartfelt scene in every single issue so far. And I just need more. On top of the fact that I personally felt like, from a visual standpoint something was off. And I think it's probably that this was a more talky issue. And so I struggled to feel the immensity of the Transformers and things like that. I also think that with Transformers being something that already exists, like it's a world that we don't have to build. Mm-hmm. And Johnson tends to to work in these realms that are you know, he has to build from the ground up, you know, with Murder Falcon and do a powerbomb. Transformers is a world that we know. 
So it right. feels a bit like he's trying to lay groundwork that's already there. You know, we know Optimus cares about the humans. We can see that with that, you know, the cool deer moment or whatever in issue two. We don't really need to see him save a hospital full of people. That's cool. And it's dope. It is definitely what he would do. But again, like he's, you know, like he's laying groundwork that's already there. And in that that particular point, like that's groundwork that's been laid just in this very same story, in this very arc, it's been laid. And it was laid in issue one, two, and three. Sure. Yep. So anyone who's cur- who's not clear on the, the, the personality of Optimus Prime from decades of history and then on top of that, this book, like we don't need it to be established anymore. But I still think this is a good comic. Like this, this story still good. It's still enjoyable. But this is the first issue where I had to pause. You're seeing the cracks in the armor. Maybe, you know, maybe. I I, I hesitate to say that about somebody like Daniel Warren Johnson, who's so talented. But I'm worried about this getting to be too repetitive for me. Yeah. Yep. It's got a couple of notes, and it's hit those a lot. Um. I'm gonna pat. I'm gonna. Whoa! I'm gonna pull. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that would be crazy. That would be crazy. <laughs> definitely pull. It's becoming muscle memory now. I don't know, <laughs> man. Quick on that. You whipped that out. I didn't finish the sentence. Uh, yeah. Uh, pull, pull. But I think um, agreed with the sentiment of uh, I'm, I'm, I'm wary now. I think it's a pull for me, and honestly, with the, I assume we're gonna be talking about the news on Saturday. Okay. All right. So I don't. I won't make that discussion now. But uh, yeah, it's a pull. Listen, I'd have been waiting out the trade for this anyway. Mm. So this only, this issue only furthers that. Kale, honest question: If you weren't on the show, would you trade away everything? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thousand <laughs> percent. This is buying habit. He's one of. Those. I try trade weight anyway. Yeah. I go to the store and I forget what I'm trade waiting. Wow. From stuff I want. <laughs> Uncaged says this is brave and interesting because every other show has just heaped silly amounts of praise on this issue. Well, you know, uh, I try my best to tell the truth. That's how I feel. Um, you know, I really like if people don't like what I said, I understand it. But like, you know, not everybody loves everything. Thank you, Uncaged. It is brave to be up here. You know, we're really, really striking an opinion out here. Just four dudes, four microphones. Just right. Man, braver than any troop, I'll say it. Robot, wow, that was crazy. Um, <laughs> Stolen Valor podcast. <laughs> Roboter says, gotta say, pretty positive pals pulls for this week. I like the amount of peas you got in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, we're positive when the books are good, right? That's right, that's right. Books are good, by and large. We enjoyed most of this this week. This was a great week for comics, I feel like. Yeah. There's books I'm excited to talk about that we didn't even get to. Like, I'm going to read more books from this week. Uh, it's books we're excited to talk about next week, Sean, I feel like. Oh, I was looking yeah. at next week. Next week's wild. Yeah. Yeah, next week is pretty hot. Um, And uh, we could refer back to the poll now. And we'll take a look and let's see. <laughs> Come on. Come on. So funny. All right. 
He so, said, come on, like it was going to be different. Jack, well, it's there's some there are some differences. So jackpot number one is at 3%. So even lower, far lower. That means people, well, we got a lot more votes. X-Men number 30 is at 9% of the vote. John Constantine, Hellblazer, Dead in America got 32% of the vote. Let's go. Climbing. World's Finest number 23 has 56%. Of the vote, Marco. So it stays. That's fine. We still got, we usually get a couple, a uh, hundred, by over a hundred on this one. We still got 70 people left. It's Marco, gonna... that's not percentages work. It can't stay there. <laughs> oh, fair enough. It, it'll go down. <laughs> God, he's the money guy too. It's worrying. That's <laughs> very scary. Yes, Tyler, you're completely right. <laughs> we'll do the maths. You guys want to, well, did anybody get to watch? Go ahead, Kale. Quickly. Manny uh, asked if I had a pick of the week. I think I'm going to go with Wolverine. Oh, nice. Okay. I think Wolverine was the thing that uh, got me the most. Fair enough. Good catch, Manny. Dan says, I voted for Hellblazer, but not because I'm a Marco minion. I'd just rather hear about that one. That's Uh fair. Uh, That's fine. You don't have to. It's fair that you're a Marco minion. That's right. That's not fair. You could be a Tyler Twink, (laughs) too, if you like. (laughs) I don't know, man. You've been trying to get that over. Tyler's twinks. Let's go. Let's go. I'm down for Tyler's it. tops. No, not that one. Did anybody Definitely here not that one. get to watch Echo this week? It dropped this week. Marvel put out every episode, all five of them things. So on Tuesday, five? just five <laughs> on Tuesday, I watched everything. I, I, I binged it and I fell asleep with that climactic final battle. <laughs> nice. Uh, and I woke up and I'm like, all right, uh, I don't really care to catch up on that. I saw it. We're good. I watched. I got to watch four out of five. I, I couldn't finish it. But um, okay. So for those of you who don't know, Echo, of course, is a spinoff of Hawkeye, where we were first introduced to Maya Lopez as a hench person of the Kingpin, a henchwoman of the Kingpin, um, who learns the depths of his betrayal of her and strikes out against him. And this show is supposed to be about what she does next. The recap I just gave you is probably 10 times shorter than the recap that the show gives you because the first episode is dedicated to telling you everything I just told you. Go ahead. The first episode is like, oh, you didn't see Hawkeye? All right, here you go. Even though I feel like people are going to be watching a Hawkeye show before an Echo show. Yeah. Yeah, you, you uh, kind of obligatory, no? It was brutal. That first episode for me, man, was brutal. Like, I had a really hard time getting through it. There was just one awesome moment. We don't need to, we won't spoil it, Um, but it's it's the fight that Echo has where someone comes. The, the, the fight oh, scenes right. in general are really good in the show. It does feel like uh, uh, Netflix Marvel. Um, yes. Not quite hallway fight scenes. There's a bit of it here and there. Um, but I thought they were really impressive. I, I thought that was probably the highlight of it. And then D'Onofrio as well. Oh, that's got to be good. I was surprised by the quality of the action just because a lot of the Marvel shows haven't really had too great uh, of action. But yeah, awesome stuff. Really, really nailed it. Bloody too. Like, there's actual blood involved, like splatter yeah. and all over someone's face. I was like, all right, cool. They're they're going for it. That's refreshing. That said, I did not. I have not enjoyed this. 
very much. Um, there are spots of things that I've enjoyed, like the primary fight in the first episode I thought was real good. Uh, the Kingpin stuff is okay, but I still, it still doesn't feel like the layered, deep character that we got in Daredevil. It still feels a little off. Like the it's a, it's in the trailer, so you know whatever. It's not a spoiler. The scene where he kills the the guy who's selling the hot dogs and whatnot mm. in the in the um, alley in context just really bizarre um he didn't need to do that and i get the kingpin is all powerful but i feel like his reaction to that was insane and way over the top and it doesn't bring to light the measured like cerebral character that we got from daredevil in daredevil when he loses his mind and kills that dude with the in the limo with the door that was crazy because we hadn't seen him go that hard before mm. and that was ep- if i recall correctly that was episodes in and then he does that and it's like oh that's the depths of how this how serious this guy is but it was because of how angry he was and we understood how angry he was this just felt like oh let's let him get a murder in i was frustrated by that for show then like it, for it being actually part of like his character yeah there is a bit of a change in echo lore um I don't want to talk about because you're not even finished with it, Sean. Um, but like minute one, it's like, oh, there's gods, right? Well, that's yeah. Dan literally just said that in the chat. He said he's two episodes in, and he rolled his eyes when they brought magic and fantasy into it. Uh, oh, good luck, dude. I found the second episode to be brutal. I really did. Um, way. Way too many flashbacks, like an unbelievable amount of flashbacks that don't include Echo in them. So you don't even get to see more of the character that they're trying to make you care about. They're trying to make you care about her, her ancestry, and her native culture and people, and a supporting cast they're trying to establish all at the same time in five episodes, of which none are a full hour. And... You know, I had a very difficult time connecting with yeah. the show. One of the things, and I don't really know how to articulate it without it possibly sounding rude, um, but it is a show about a woman who's deaf. Um, but as some, like, I did find it was a little too quiet at points for me, which I guess is kind of the point, you know, um, to bring you in her POV. But a lot of the conversations are done in uh, ASL. Yes. Um, with the char- the characters who can actually speak, sort of speaking during it, and I thought it's 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 really nice, um, but it was hard to get me into it because it's it's silent otherwise, like you're not even getting ambient noise from the background, like it's nothing, um, and when things are that quiet, I get I, it takes me out a bit. Because mm. it's an extra element to that is leveraged in just in TV. Like something as simple as a laugh track, you know? Well, I don't think a laugh track really works here. But I, yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know, a and fan it's... sound in the background. You like anything. Sure. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm hesitant to even want to comment on that other than to say that I felt what you're referring to. I felt that. 
Um, are the does it feel like a slog because the character is also not interesting necessarily? Like, are you getting something from Echo? It's hard. Well, Tyler finished it, so maybe he has a different perspective than I do. But with the four episodes finished, um, I care about her to an extent. Like, she does things, and I have really no idea why she's doing them. Like, her whole agenda in the second episode, I don't know what she was doing. And I don't really know what the motivation was behind that whole train thing that she did. Um, even even but, by the end of it, I'm not sure I do. <laughs> um, this feels like this character will possibly never show up again. And... And the idea of a spinoff of a spinoff is, like, really hard to grasp for me. I feel like Echo appearing more in Daredevil and you learn more about her and dive into her more. And then you do a miniseries, sure. But she was ancillary in Hawkeye. They didn't spend a ton of time with her there. And I feel like pairing her up with Daredevil and, you know, whatever. And then you deal with more of her down the line, sure. But... This was this was hard for me, and it feel it feels like to be honest, they did this so that they could close the loop on her and Kingpin, because everything that happens before issue four is irrelevant. It just it just is. Episode four, I'm sorry. Everything that happens before Kingpin comes back into the fray is like whatever. And then Tyler in the scene where uh they kidnap her, there's this ransom on her, and then they're just like, eh, we gotta we gotta call. We can't we can't take her and we can't kill her or whatever. And they just let her go? I mean, that's not a out of the realm possibility for Kingpin. I finish a kit like a like a merc. Unless yeah, that like, in episode five. I don't want I don't want to <laughs> She was dead to rights and they just let her go. And it's just one of those things where it's like, oh my god. Yeah. Right before she's about to die, you know, a phone call gets made. Uh not to me, not good. I haven't enjoyed watching it. I wouldn't recommend it. I'm turning and it's Marvel Spotlight, so it has nothing to do with anything. Right. But it does, because Daredevil's there. Well, and that's also oh, just... Oh, shit, I didn't mean to say that. Oh! Not even here. Well, that's in the trailer, isn't it? It is, yeah. Know. Yeah, it's oh, okay. I think, yeah, I think they show a, a glimpse of that hallway scene, so... That did feel good, though, seeing that, I gotta say. Seeing him, seeing him back, sick. it felt good. Yeah. But that uh that Marvel spotlight thing is also like Whatever. that's damning enough. Like forgot. I forgot that was a thing. It 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 did it 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 confuses things even more, I think. <clears throat> I am very excited for Marvel Studios to go in a different direction with the television and bring showrunners on and everything else. This just didn't even feel like a show. It feels like a long slog. Quite frankly, I could get rid of the television altogether. I've I'm there. Very little of it. I'm there, and I've enjoyed more than you have. But it's not even because I don't enjoy it; it's because I just don't care, and I miss the world where it was just movies. Yeah, let me know when well, Marvel's doing uh, uh, iceberg YouTube documentaries about cryptids across the world. Then maybe I'll watch some more. But listen, I've been watching a nine and a half our uh youtube series about the nickelodeon show sam and cat and that's more interesting to me than anything disney's putting out <laughs> like, that sounds fascinating kill send me that afterwards 
I mean, cat, not cat dog. Oh. No, not even that. Not even the good show, cat dog. The awful show, Sam and Cat. <laughs> The, the, this guy has put together more content about Sam and Cat that is collectively more hours than the actual show. Unbelievable. The amount of effort that people put into like ridiculous stuff on YouTube is incredible. I can't even say the rabbit hole that I fell into yesterday. I not would, by choice. I my would friend. love to see your YouTube recommendations. <laughs> Yo, it's pretty yeah. normal. It, it, no, nah, it's pretty normal. It's pretty normal. I mean, most of it is Howard Stern and comic book related. Hey, now, hey, now. And true crime. Like, it was just way too much true crime. JCS? Huh? Oh, oh, JCS. I've watched that channel, but I mostly watch true crime daily. Um, I don't know if you've seen that one. And of course I'm obsessed with um with uh Oh um fuck, I know you're talking about To Catch a Predator. Yes, T Cap. Oh T Cap T Cap Hell yeah, bro. T Cap. <laughs> you guys know that I solemnly pledged to reduce my weekly stack this year. Oh yes. Forgot about this. <laughs> wow, Kale. And let me just say that I am trying really hard, people. I am trying. And I felt I felt a little good this week. I felt a little good this week about my choices as far as my comics buying. But then I counted the amount of books that I bought. Uh, oh yikes. So I want to know from you guys, what do you think the count of my stack is this week? Now, keep in mind, I showed you that I bought an additional copy of Ultimate Spider-Man. That's Yeah, there. that's true. Do we count that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's money spent, man. 11. Well, it sounds like a more of an over than an under. I'm going to say. 11. It was 11 last week. Right. It was 10 last week, I think. Well, whatever it was. I it think was... it was... Was it 11? It was 11 or 10. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to say 18. Oh, wow. I was going to say... It was a big week. I was going to say 16. Sean loves a swerve, so I'm feeling a swerve here. We got uh, Roboters for 14. Dan's on 17. I love it. Um. Yeah, I mean... This, there were a lot of good books this week. This was a crazy week for comics. So you have to forgive me on a week like this, you know, for buying every book that I had my eyes on. I didn't quite do that, but I bought a lot. So we've got the six, the five books we read this week, and then, of course, the additional copy of Ultimate Spider-Man. I'm going to show them off that's, once again because they are freaking awesome. That's six. Yeah. So well, we had, those six. would be seven then because then we read six books. Right, right. Oh yeah. So, so yeah, yeah those those okay, seven. Yeah. yeah, you're totally Oof. right. Uh I bought Blade. I'm on I'm still on Blade, and I'm actually current with this. Is that Scar? Uh yes, it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. This book's been real good. Hell yeah. Uh so I'm I'm current with that. Justin uh, my, for thirteen. Thirteen? Okay. Well, that that's a good that's a good guess. Good to see you in the chat, Justin. Uh Miles Morales, Spider Man, number fifteen. Don't ask I've been liking me that one, Sean. That. Don't don't ask me. 
<laughs> I got it, Kale. Uh, the Sacrificers, number six. What should have oh, won the poll this week? Yeah. It almost did. You guys you guys uh, disappointed me on that one. Sean Shorties didn't show up. That's right. Oh, I'm not I'm not co-signing that. <laughs> Sean not co-sign anything. Sean Sluts. <laughs> Sean oh, no. Sages. No. Gosh. Sean Slimes. No. You know that that is a slang Careful. term for friend? <laughs> yeah, I do. Slime? Yeah, yeah. So I know about you guys uh, are my slimes. Was it was it YSL? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh Green Lantern number seven. And a book that I this see I I I bought this and I have no clue what it is. But you see certain artists and you buy. I bought this book. This is called Adventure, Adventure Man, Man Ghost Lights. Oh. Yeah. Adventure Man's good, dude. That's, I didn't uh... Dodson, Matt Fraction, yeah, yeah. Matt Fraction yeah. and Dodson, yeah, yeah. So this it's is uh, Lady 11. Rocketeer. This is eleven. You said sorry. Two? Yeah, yeah. That's what book you're on is number eleven. Oh, well, there you go. Oh, is that it? That's it. That's all. Wow. I got. Nailed it. Oh, wow. Okay. Nailed it. Tyler. Wow. You got me, dude. So yeah, you didn't do uh, you didn't that's, do worse this week at all. Pretty good. I did it. I did. I did pretty good. It's just that. Um, the amount of books that I would have bought if I wasn't trying to do this is actually insane. And I had to yeah. stop myself. I had to. It was too crazy. Yeah. Next week, though, I don't know if I'm going to have the same level of restraint. I'm just going to be honest. We'll see how that goes. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We appreciate you listening, as always. Come Saturday. That's the next time we will see you guys live or otherwise at 10.15 a.m. Eastern for the main show. And if you want to watch this show live, you can do that every single Thursday at 6 p.m. right here on YouTube.com slash The Comics Pals. For everybody listening, thank you so much. We appreciate you. We love you. Until next time, take care, guys. See you next week.